All right, we're continuing our study in the history of the blood, the history of the blood. And I'm going to start back at Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. Now, last week we started in Genesis, and we worked our way through the Old Testament. And I was showing you how God felt about the blood, that the life of the flesh is in the blood, that the blood makes an atonement. I showed you how that the blood was used as a covenant, sign of a covenant, sign of you, go, you get behind that door. And we talked about And what you could see going on as you've seen the blood being mentioned is you've seen it's going, it's a type and it's pointing towards something that's about to happen in history. And that something is the cross. What God's going to do, it's pointing to it. Now, I'm saying that not that the people in the Old Testament were looking towards the cross. No, they had to go work. They were under works. They had, you've seen the system God had them under. But he's showing them. He's getting them prepared through that. And the things he was saying to them were great types of what's going to happen. And we're about to see what's going to happen. So the history of the blood, we're in there part two. And I gave you this handout. We'll go through that. And we're going to kind of follow that this evening. But we're going to start there at verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That's what he was told to call him, and that's what he did call him. He called him Jesus. But notice in verse 25, he knew her not. Now that's a Bible way of saying they didn't have any kind of relations. Until after she had her firstborn son. Now the Bible states plainly, no matter what the Catholics say, Mary had other children. And they were the half-brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They were, between, they were from Joseph. But my point being made here is, this is, Jesus is not Joseph's son in a physical sense. It's Mary's son in a physical sense, but not Joseph's son in a physical sense. In all physical sense, this is the Son of God the Father. Amen. Jesus Christ is the Son of God the Father. So you see that it says here that Jesus Christ was born of Mary, but not of Joseph. What that means to you, brothers and sisters, the importance of the virgin birth. I remember years ago, this is like in the mid-90s when Bill Clinton was roaming this country in leadership. They, they talked about Bill Clinton going to church, which amazed me that he was in church, but he said Bill Clinton's pastor... Bill Clinton's pastor, preacher, whatever he was, reverend or whatever he was, didn't believe in the virgin birth. If you don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, you don't got the right Jesus. You don't understand how important that virgin birth is. That virgin birth is very important. Why is it so important, Brother Keaton? Because that means that that blood that's flowing through the veins of Jesus Christ is not Adam's blood. It's God's blood. That's so important to understand that. And, and from a, now, understand this. It's modern-day science that helps us to understand that that is possible. That's exactly what happens. They didn't know that 2,000 years ago. They didn't know that 1,000 years ago. They didn't know that 1,800 years ago. But now we know through science what you're about to see. I put this down here, the chemistry of the blood, this little picture right here. Read this with me. That, that right there is an insert out of the chemistry of the blood by Dr. M.R. Dehan. Uh, and I, I, I cut that out, and I put that on, there, on that sheet for you, and I'm going to read that to you. It comes out of page 31. If you ever find this book anywhere, buy it. The, the Chemistry of the Blood, if you ever find that book, buy it, and let me know I'll buy it off you if you don't want it. I want more copies of this, because I, I love to give this out to pastor friends and everything. He's got some really, really good stuff in it. It's really good stuff for you, too, if you want to read it. But notice here, Mother's Blood Separate. 
It is unnecessary that a single drop of blood be given to the developing embryo in the womb of the mother. Such is the case according to scientists. The mother provides the fetus, the unborn developing infant, with the nutritive elements for the building of that little body in the secret of her womb. But all the blood, notice I underlined it, but all the blood which forms in it is formed in the embryo itself. From the time of the conception to the time of the birth of the infant, not one single drop of blood ever passes from mother to child. God had a plan. And His plan was for her to be born, that Jesus was to be born of a virgin. You say, why would God do that? Because God had plans for that blood. And He knew what that blood was going to mean to me and you in 2022. He knows that blood is important. That blood's what's going to save us. That blood's what's going to cleanse us. That blood's what's going to redeem us. That blood's what's going to be what justifies us. That blood is everything to you, brothers and sisters in Christ. And God in His infinite wisdom, before science had a clue what's going on, says that Jesus Christ, I'm going to be born in that womb and I'm going to, I'm going to develop that, that flesh and it's going to have that blood and that blood is not going to have Adam's blood in it. Why does it not have Adam's blood in it? The reason you don't want Adam's blood in it, because that's why each one of you are sinners. Because that blood that Adam had in it has sin in it, and he gave it down to his sons. His sons passed it to their sons, their sons. And your daddy, God bless him, whoever he is, gave it to you. I don't care if you have two mothers. You got blood from a male somewhere down the way. Amen. I don't care what the world says today. It's the blood. And God knows it's all about the blood. So if you say, oh, Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, it doesn't make a difference if he is born of a virgin. It makes every difference. And I'm about to show you. The placenta, the middle of that, the middle of that paragraph, the placenta, that mass of temporary tissue known better as afterbirth, forming a link between mother and child, is so constructed that although all the soluble nutritive Elements such as proteins, fats, carbohydrates, salts, minerals, even antibodies pass freely from mother to child and the waste products of the child's metabolism are passed back to the mother's circulation. Let me stop right there. There is no God. How, how big a fool do you have to be? You just read? what We're just seeing the very basic functions of the mother and child in a womb. That's the basic functions, guys. A third grader understands that. <laughs> it, there is no God. That's amazing that that's happening. You know what? Everybody in this room, it happened to you. Just like that. That's why abortion is so wicked. All right. So metabolism are passed back to the mother's circulation. No actual interchange of a single drop of blood ever occurs normally. Now, there might be some instances. Might be. But the exception always proves the rule. All the blood which is in the child is produced within the child itself. The mother contributes no blood at all. What does that mean, Brother Keegan? What that means, turn to Acts chapter 20. What that means is a great truth about Jesus Christ. The truth that the Jehovah's Witnesses don't like to admit. The Mormons don't like to admit. And this is the great truth of Jesus Christ. He is God manifest in the flesh. So when you have God walking on the earth, you know what that means? That means that that blood flowing through that man, Jesus Christ, is God's blood. So what people, don't, what people can't get 
is that Jesus Christ was the Son of Man and He was the Son of God. They can't get it. What do you mean He's the Son of Man? He's the Son of Man as He comes from Mary. His flesh is the Son of Man. His lineage is the Son of Man. You can trace His lineage through Mary all the way back to Adam. He is the Son of Man, but because God's miraculous, infinite wisdom, He has Him born through the Holy Spirit given to Mary, He also can now be the Son of God because He has God's blood running through that flesh that comes from man. So He can get hurt, He can cry, He can get tired, He can sleep. He does all those things a man can do, but it's God in man. It's the Son of God. It's the Son of man that says, I thirst. It's the Son of God that says, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. It's the Son of Man that sleeping down in the boat while the storms arise and the disciples say, wake up, that's the Son of Man sleeping. It's the Son of God that gets up out of the boat and says, calm, be still, waters, and they calm down. That's the Son of Man. I mean, that's the Son of God doing that. It's the Son of Man that goes down into the grave dead. But it's the Son of God that comes up the third day. He's the Son of Man. Why does He have to be the Son of Man and the Son of God? Because I need a man's hand to grab me from down here, and I need God's hand to be able to reach down to God so He can put us both together. As the Son of God, He reaches up to God. As the Son of Man, He can be touched by my infirmities. He can reach down and grab Kigan by His hand and say, Here, I want to make atonement with you two. I want to make you all at one. How does He do that? Through the blood. And we're going to read it. Look at verse 28. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Jesus has God's blood. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Woo! How are you purchased? By the blood of God. I tell you what, that centurion there at the cross, he understood it. Boy, he's seen it. He's seen everything that happened. He's seen the earthquake. He's seen the dark clouds. He got the spirit. He pierced the side. He saw the water and the blood coming. He saw all of that. He said, surely this was the Son of God. Well, he saw it. He knew it. He knew it. Let's move on. Jesus has God's blood. Jesus speaks about the blood. Look at Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, Jesus speaks about the blood. Let's look at that together. Matthew chapter 23, if you look at verse 35. Matthew chapter 23, thir verse 35. Jesus speaks about the blood. Look at verse 35 of Matthew chapter 23. And some of this, if you can't, if you can't flip fast enough with me, I've, I think I've got most of those written down in there on that sheet. But I'm going to read them through, through, from my Bible. Because this is what I like to do. I like to do things old school. Do y'all like to do things old school like that? I like pen and paper. I don't like computers. So, so when I took over my new job and I got I to keep all this list, you know what I got? I got a book in the back of my pack pocket. And I pull this book out and I got a pen and I write. And I see other guys, they pull out their little iPhones and they're speaking into it. And I'm over there like just some old haggard man just writing, you know. Yeah. See, but you see right there, right this right here? I, I don't need to put it on a charger. 
this piece of paper. I don't need to put it on a charger. I don't, you know, Google's not documenting it, nothing. It's just me. I just know it, me and God, and I put it in my back pocket. So if I want to write something bad about somebody, between me and God, right? It's not somewhere floating around on the Internet. All right, look at Matthew 23, verse 35. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel, we read about him last Wednesday, unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar, another righteous man. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. So he's speaking to that generation, the time he was in. He says, all that blood from Abel, the righteous blood of Abel, all the way up to Zacharias, God's going to hold you accountable for that blood. What happened to Jerusalem? <laughs> that generation had Rome come in there and they completely destroyed Jerusalem. It got so bad, they got trapped in the temple and the women were eating their own children. How bad did it get? Well, for 2,000 years, the Jews been in pretty bad shape up until 1948. And, 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 and Satan tried every way he could to kill them. And God blessed them. 1948, six million of them. He tried every way he could to kill them. And they just, just like a burning bush. They'll not be consumed. That burning bush, it will burn and it will not be consumed. God will persecute them, but they will not die. And he said that. Now look at verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not... Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And he left them right there. Wow. All the righteous blood is going to be on that generation. So righteous blood has to be avenged. I mentioned this last Wednesday night, but you have all these righteous children being killed in the womb the blood of the unborn being killed in this country, God will judge this country. And I hope we can get out of here before He does. I hope He raptures us out. But that's no guarantee, brothers and sisters, that God's going to bring judgment on this country because of the blood that's on, this, on our hands. Look at John chapter 6. Jesus talks about the blood some more. This is the one that gets a lot of people confused. John chapter 6. Look at verse 54. And for time's sake, I'm not going to read all this passage. I've given you all the, past, the verses. If you want to go home and read it for yourself, I've only quoted a couple of verses under the headline. But I want to show you something Jesus Christ says about His own blood, something about the blood. Now, this is where the Catholics, they go off the rails here. But where do they not? Most everywhere they go off the rails. But here they really go off the rails because they don't understand the difference between spiritual and physical. I told you the physical is what? The Son of Man. I'm thirsty. I'm sleeping. I'm weary. You can beat me up. You can hurt me. You can, you can cut me. You can slap me. You can, you can, you can do those things. To, I'm, the, I'm a Son of Man. Physical. But He's also the Son of God. And when you talk about God, God is a spirit, and you must worship Him in spirit and truth. It's a spiritual thing. And if there's anything wrong with Christianity today is they lean over here to the physical way, way, way too much. And we forget about the spiritual side of things. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, when you read this Bible and you get really deep into studying this Bible, what you're going to find out it's all spiritual in God's eyes. We're, we're, we, 
If a man, I'm talking a man or a woman, a brother or sister in Christ, could ever consecrate themselves away from their flesh, where you're fasting and get away from the flesh and get into that spiritual realm and a walk with Jesus Christ, you're going to glow physically. I've seen Christians like that, that they literally, I mean, you almost could put them in the dark and they would be glowing. They're that close to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only other way I can describe it is, have you read when Moses was with God for 40 days? You know what happened to him when he came down off the mountain? His face glowed so much they made him put a veil on because he'd been with God. When you start getting spiritual with God and you start that walk with Christ and you get closer and closer, I'm telling you, your, your, your face are almost physically changed to a glow. It's, it's amazing. That's why I don't glow. <laughs> you got to walk with it. You got to sacrifice. Look at verse, John chapter 6, verse 54. Jesus is talking to these uh, people that are following him. And then he says, uh, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. <laughs> and I've talked about this recently, so I'm not going to go deep, deep into it tonight. But uh, the point is, is that Jesus Christ is trying to run some of these guys off. He's trying to offend them because they won't understand. Why? Because he starts talking about the spiritual as physical. Because that's all they care about. They want to be fed. They want their belly full. They want, they want him to feed them. They want to see miracles. He's, so he goes, okay, you want to talk about the physical? I'll give you the physical. If you don't drink my blood, if you'll drink my blood and eat my flesh, you'll have eternal life. So what does a Catholic do? And some other people do. Some other religions. Some other denominations. What they'll do is they'll take, the, they'll take the wine and they'll take the bread and they'll say this turns into the physical body of Jesus Christ when it goes in your mouth. This, water, this wine turns into the blood of Jesus Christ when it hits your tongue and goes into your mouth. And they really believe that. They believe they're drinking the blood and eating the flesh of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't have anything to do with the physical. It has everything to do with the spiritual. Look at verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. That bread you're eating, that wine you're drinking, that church you're going into, it profiteth nothing. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So if you go into a building and they're calling it a church or whatever they're calling it, you go in that building and you don't hear the words of Jesus Christ, you don't hear that the Spirit's not there moving, then you're not, in, you're not working with Christ. You're just working with the flesh. And the flesh profiteth nothing. When you get into a church, you go into a building or wherever you're at, and the words of Jesus Christ are being preached or read out loud, and you're hearing the words of Christ and the Holy Spirit's moving, you will be profited. You will grow. The spirit that quickeneth, quickeneth, make alive, brings alive. It's bringing, it's quickening, it's moving. Flesh profiteth nothing. So those words he's speaking back in verses 47 all the way down, what we read, guys, those are all spiritual words. Look at verse 57. Go back down to 57. So what did Christ say? So go down, back down to 57. Christ said, you got to eat my body, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and you'll have eternal life. Look at verse 57. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Was Jesus Christ eating the flesh of God the Father? No. Right? 
I, I, believe, I mean, you've got to believe that, right? He wasn't eating the flesh of God. But it says, if, he says, as the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father. Was he living by the... Did you, did you ever read anywhere in the Scripture where it said Jesus Christ stopped and picked up a fork and a knife and he started eating a little bit more of the Father? And No. What you have going on there is, as the living Father have sent me, and I live by the Father. How was Jesus Christ living by the Father? In a spiritual sense. He was spiritually connected to the Father. So, he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. You're, you're, you're living off of Jesus Christ spiritually. That's why I'll say stuff like, you know, Jesus Christ is nothing but a crutch to Christians. No, he's not. He's everything to me. He's my breath. I'm living by him. He's not just a crutch or a spare tire or my co-pilot. He's everything. He's my breath. He's my very essence. He's, I love him more than I love my wife or my kids. I love him more than anybody. That's my life. That's Jesus Christ. You've got to understand it, man. It's in a spiritual sense, you've got to get it. Look at Matthew 26. Go back to Matthew 26, guys. So I, hope that, I hope you understand those verses that he's talking about there. If you don't get them, you know, call me or get with me, and I'll try to help explain them to you, and we'll go through it deeper, but... If, once you understand, he's talking about spiritual things that make sense. But uh, a lot of people, they don't want to think about Jesus. They want, the, they want the physical thing of Jesus, not the spiritual. Verse 26, Matthew, Matthew chapter 26. Uh, skip down to verse 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament. Verse 28, Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, when he was holding up that, now this is the Lord's Supper. When he was holding up that cup, what did he just say to the guys? He said, this is my blood of the New Testament. Do you think Jesus Christ's literal blood was in that cup? No, because he's talking about the wine. Why would you think drinking wine is going to turn into the blood? Of Jesus? It's not. It's a type. He's showing them, he's instituting something for them. And he's showing them that what, is, what, is the, what makes the New Testament? This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. So that blood that he sh is going to be a New Testament to remit people's sins. In remission, he wants them to be in remission. He's going to remit them. That's what that blood is going to do. And, and the reason why he's bringing up the blood here is something very important. Turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And if, you, if I'm getting too fast for you or you're turning too much, just it should be right there on the page for you guys so you don't have to keep flipping around. Hebrews chapter 9, verse... Hebrews chapter 9, uh, we'll do there at verse... Wow, there's a lot here, so I'm going to start verse 16, I think. Yeah. Look at verse 16. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16. So, blood of a New Testament. What does that mean, New Testament? I mean, we know there's a New Testament. What does that mean? It's talking about a covenant, a testament. It's talking about something's, something's been changed. Look at verse 15. I want to get you the context. And for this cause, he is a mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, so there was a First Testament, that's called the Old Testament. We're under the New Testament. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. How are we getting this eternal inheritance? Because somebody died and made a New Testament and gave us eternal life. Look at verse 16. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. 
For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it's of no strength at all while the testator live. He's talking about what we would call a will. A will, you can say, I give you all my lands when I die, and when I, you can have my cars, my guns. Everything goes to you, son, when I die. And then your son comes over next week, and he's loading up all your guns in the back of his truck. So what are you doing? Well, you told me all these guns are mine. Yeah, they are, when I die. And I'm not quite dead yet, so just hit the road, Jack. And then he does it to you again, and you say, you know what? Three weeks later, he does it to you again. I say, I told you these guns aren't until I die. Wait till I die, then you have my guns. Daddy, I want them right now. No, you're not getting them. So that son drives off, and you get on the phone, you call your lawyer, you say, you know how I gave all my guns to so-and-so? And your lawyer says, yes, I want to change my will. <laughs> and I want to give them to the other son, because he's got a lot more sense than that. And then I'll let him dole them out to the other brothers. That's called a will. But that will means nothing until you die. So that blood doesn't go into effect until, that, that testament does not go into effect until that blood is shed. So you got this New Testament because Jesus Christ shed his blood and he said, this blood, my blood, is of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sins. See, they didn't understand all that we're talking about tonight. Those disciples, Peter, Peter and John and James, they didn't understand what Jesus Christ was saying. They, they were trying to wrap their mind around it, but the Holy Spirit wasn't there to, to help them to understand it. But Jesus Christ had given it to them, then later on, that's when they had that aha moment. When the Holy Spirit fell, they started remembering everything Jesus Christ had said, everything he had taught them, and it all started making sense. It's the blood. It's always going to be the blood. It's the blood then, it's the blood now. It's always going to be the blood. Look at, ver look at Matthew chapter 27. Go back to Matthew. We're gonna sh I'm going to show you a couple of these. Matthew 27, and then we'll close down. Matthew chapter 27. Who y'all? Now we're going to go on what Jesus Christ's blood is. What is it? What is Jesus Christ's blood? And then we'll talk about what it does. Ooh, that's good stuff there. <laughs> Matthew 27, if I can find it. Matthew 27, we'll look at verse, uh, verse 4. Matthew 27, verse 4. So G, uh, Judas had betrayed Jesus Christ. He brings back the money. Verse 3, then Judas, which had betrayed... Verse 3, Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. Judas, the most wicked betrayer who I believe, I believe might be coming back as the Antichrist reincarnated, admitted in Scripture that Jesus Christ's blood is innocent. That's the one that got him killed. His testimony? What's the most wicked man? Judas. I mean, if you go, to, you go out and talk to atheists, you talk to anybody that has any kind of background in America, if you say, what's one of the most wicked people you think? They'll say Hitler, Judas. That's why you don't see a lot of Judases around. You don't see a lot of Adolfs around. I mean, they, you know, that just don't happen. He's wicked, but he admits that that's innocent blood. Jesus Christ's blood is innocent. It's like a little kid's blood. It's innocent. 
You know, Brother Packer, my, my pastor for so many years, when he got saved going to Korea, they put him on a train to ship him off to the Korean War. And he said they gave him a little Bible. Gideon's gave him a little Bible. You know those little pocket Bibles? So he had that on there with all the stuff. And he said he's on a train. I think he was heading out west or whatever. He's on that train. He said, I was reading that Bible. And I was reading, reading, reading. I got to reading about Jesus Christ. He said, I just started crying. And for the first time in my life, about Je what I realized about Jesus Christ, I, I said to myself, he's innocent. Why are they doing this to him? He's innocent. Why would they do this? And he, he broke down crying, reading about how they were beating him and spitting on him. He was innocent. That's Jesus Christ. That's our Savior. Look at Judas' testimony way down. Look at this in verse 24. Same chapter, look down at verse 24. Then Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made. He took water... And washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. That's just blood. That's blood that hasn't done anything wrong. That's blood that's innocent. That's blood that's just. That's blood that's pure. That's blood that has no sin in it. That's blood that none of us could understand. That's why, brothers and sisters, you've got to understand that even if you were to try to die on a cross for your own sins, God would not accept it. It's not innocent. Because we found out way back in the Old Testament, what, did God, what has God been teaching mankind through the nation of Israel for thousands of years? He was teaching them for thousands of years. If you do a sin, an innocent lamb must die. Pure, spotless. Don't bring me your crook-necked one. Don't bring me your one that's broken down, that has a bad leg. You bring me the best of the best lamb, the pure, innocent lamb, and then you kill it. You take that blood, you put it on the altar, and I will, it will make atonement for your sin. He's been teaching them that for 2,000 years. And here comes Jesus Christ, and he's got that innocent, spotless blood no sin. That's why John the Baptist, when he seen Jesus come up, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And every Jew turned around and knew what he meant. Because that's innocent blood. And then right there you see there that it's God's blood. We already read that verse, Acts 20, 28, God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So you got Jesus Christ's innocent blood, just blood, God's blood. And finally, 1 Peter chapter 1, we're closing in 1 Peter chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, it's precious blood. Glory to God. Glory to God. Don't trust, don't trust, don't trust a, a pastor, a preacher, a Sunday school teacher, a brother or sister in Christ. I don't, don't you trust any, somebody on YouTube or GodTube or any tube that comes on there and, talk, and tries to diminish the blood of Jesus Christ? Don't you listen to another second of them? If they ever say something negative like, oh, it, what, the, the blood doesn't mean that much or it's just about the death, not the blood. If you ever hear them say some nonsense like that, turn them off because it's all about the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why this church has got no power. Our churches are dead, powerless, because there's no blood in the church. We don't sing about the blood anymore. We don't preach about the blood anymore. Christians don't talk about the blood anymore. Christians don't pray about the blood anymore. The blood is not mentioned. And brothers and sisters, when you open up this book, it's all about the blood. You can't get around it. 
This Bible study came about because when I became a strong Christian and really got serious about my Bible study, I started getting serious. And there's, some, there's something that popped out about something about this book over and over again. And what popped out to me is the blood. And I'm going to get into it next Wednesday. It's like the blood, the blood, the blood. And I'm like, you know what? I think I need to do a study on the blood. <laughs> And what I did is I found out it starts in Genesis, goes all the way to Revelation, and it's a bloody book. And it's all about the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Oh, glory to God. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's precious. It's more valuable than silver or gold. A billionaire can't buy it. A millionaire can't buy it. Nobody can buy it. Nobody can buy this blood. It's precious. It's that precious. It's a, it's a valuable commodity. Why is that, Brother King? Because Muhammad doesn't have it. And no Pope, Joseph Smith, it doesn't matter what religious leader you're following, Confucius or whoever, they don't have that blood. And Muhammad can't die for you. It wouldn't matter if he did die on the cross. That blood can't purchase your sins. It can't redeem you. That's what makes this blood so precious. It's precious because it's of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus Christ is so pure and so spotless. They, they can't understand when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is so loving and then they hear about Jesus Christ is going to come back as a warrior. They can't understand it because when you're studying the Bible, all you hear is about how pure and spotless that is. But our Lord, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with that precious blood can do so much for mankind, and he, but they won't let him. And next week, brothers and sisters, man, we're going to get to ripping and we're going to get to roaring and we're going to get to throwing uh, uh, hymnals. We're going to throw our Bibles. We're going to preach the blood of Jesus Christ. We might even throw a couple of babies you bring them up here. I'm going to get excited about Jesus Christ and the blood because next Sunday, I mean next Wednesday, we get back up here. We're going to find out now. I've set it up. We've looked at the foundation through the scriptures. Now, get ready. Now we're going to look at what that blood actually does. It's going to make you say amen. It's going to make you say, oh yeah, nothing but the blood can wash away my sins. There's power in the blood. You're going to be singing those hymnals. When we sing those hymns, you're going to sing them just a little bit louder. Because it's going to mean just a little bit more to you. And you know what? When you get down to pray, you're going to say, Lord, I thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And when you go through problems and storms in your life, you're going to get down. You're going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you have health problems, you're going to get down. You're going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you have sin problems, you're going to get down. You're going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And you're going to get up and you're going to feel a whole lot better. A whole lot better. Because that blood, it does everything I'm telling you it's going to do. And it's all about the blood. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for these people that love you and come out this evening, Lord God, to hear from you and hear your book, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that it makes sense to us, Lord. And I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will lead and guide us and direct us, Father. Teach us, Lord. Help us to have an appreciation to understand how precious your blood is, Lord Jesus. We need it, Lord Jesus, in our life. Lord, we need it, Lord, in our prayer life, in our, 
our walk with you, Lord. We need to be walking on your precious blood, Lord. We need to be praying with, the, with the blood-covered lips, Lord God. We need a tongue that's blood-covered, Lord God. We need, a, we need a life that's blood-covered, Lord. We need your blood to cleanse us and wash us, Lord. We're sinners. We're mighty sinners, Lord. We haven't been doing what we should be doing, Lord. And we turned from your blood and went off into the world, Lord God, walking, looking for something else to please us, Lord. And we know there's nothing that's going to please us like your precious blood. And Father, I pray, Lord God, you'd forgive us where we failed you. Cleanse us and wash us in that precious blood, Lord. And I pray for traveling mercies for everybody back home. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll stop right there, brothers and sisters.